Hello and welcome to Those for the Days. If this is your first time listening, my name is Nick Leland and this podcast is dedicated to movies and movie history from the 1910s through the 1960s. For today's episode, we are going to talk about silent film actor Lon Chaney, an actor who would become known as the Man of a Thousand Faces. As I said, my name is Nick Leland and without further ado, let's get into the life of one of the silent era's most versatile actors. Lon Chaney was born Leonidas Frank Chaney on April 1st, 1883 in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The son of deaf parents, his mom Emma from birth and his dad Frank, due to a childhood illness, he would learn to communicate through pantomime and facial expressions from a very early age. And when Lon was 9 years old, his mom fell ill and as a result, he dropped out of school to take care of her while his dad and older brother John went out to work. During this time, he would entertain her with stories about what was going on in the neighborhood through expressions, pantomime, and gestures. Little did he know at the time that he was developing the skills that would help him out later in his acting career. In 1901, Cheney was working at a local opera house alongside his older brother John. During this time, the two wrote a play called The Little Tycoon and actually found some success with it. Following this, Lon would begin his career as an actor on the road and would work in theater for the next decade. While traveling, he met dancer Cleva Creighton in Oklahoma City. The two would fall in love, and in 1906, Cleva would give birth to their only son, Creighton Tall Cheney, who would later go on to become Lon Cheney Jr. following his father's death. But that's a story for another day. Jumped in 1910, and the family would find steady success in California and would become quite popular. While Cleva was making a name for herself as a cabaret singer, Cheney would find work as an actor, choreographer, and stage manager. Due to the success of the work, however, jealousies would arise and their marriage would begin to fall apart. And it would all escalate in 1913, when Cleva, following a heated argument with Lon, entered the majestic theater in which she worked, and made a public suicide attempt by swallowing a vial of mercury. Fortunately, she survived her suicide attempt. Unfortunately, her vocal cords were permanently ruined and, as a result, her singing career was over. After the two divorced, Lon was no longer able to continue working on the stage due to the scandal. So, he set out work in the rising motion picture business. His first credited performance was in the 1913 comedy Poor Jake's Demise, a movie that was only partially rediscovered in a private collection in 2006. Between the years of 1913 and 1918, Cheney would appear in over 100 movies. It was during this time that he would marry Hazel Hastings in 1915, who he would spend the rest of his life with, as well as begin mastering his skills in makeup. It would be his skills in the makeup department in particular that would help him gain a wide range of roles, and by 1916, he was being featured in Motion Picture Weekly as the Master of Makeup. It would be in 1919, however, that Cheney would have his most successful role up to this point in The Miracle Man. In it, he plays a con man who fakes being crippled and cured by a faith healer. His ability to contort his body and convince an audience that would help him become one of the silent era's best character actors. And it was his versatile skills in both acting and makeup that would earn him the nickname, The Man of a Thousand Faces. Now, it was during the 1920s that Cheney would make his most iconic films. The first one I'd like to discuss is Universal's 1923 adaptation of Victor Hugo's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. While critics weren't the biggest fans of the movie, they praised Cheney's performance for bringing Quasimodo from the pages of the book to the silver screen. For the role, he used a hump and harness that in total weighed over 50 pounds. And it was this kind of dedication to his craft 
that helped him portray the pain of so many of his characters. Two years later, he would appear in arguably his most well-known role, that of the Phantom in Universal's 1925 adaptation of Gaston LaRue's The Phantom of the Opera. For this role, he would use spear gum to pull his nose and ears back to make his face appear more like a skull. And the makeup was actually considered so terrifying at the time that all photographs of it were banned before the movie's release. And similar to The Hunchback of Notre Dame, critics would give it mixed reviews, but would nevertheless praise Cheney's performance for bringing sympathy to a revolting creature. Now, it's also worth noting his relationship with director Rupert Julian during filming. To say the two did not get along would be an understatement. In fact, the two got along so poorly that cameraman Charles von Enger had to serve as a messenger between the two. According to Enger, Julian would tell him to deliver instructions to Cheney on what to do, and Cheney in turn would reply by instructing Enger to tell him to quote, go to hell. Some of his other notable works during the 20s include the 1924 movie He Who Gets Slapped, in which he plays a scientist who becomes a clown after being robbed of his success, along with the 1927 movie London After Midnight, which fun fact, is one of the most sought-after lost movies of the silent era. It was also around 1927 that the transition from silent films to talkies was beginning. Despite resistance at first, Cheney would star in a talkie remake of his 1925 movie, The Unholy Three. For the movie, he learned ventriloquism and would actually sign an affidavit swearing that all the voices he did in the movie were his own. As always, he received nothing short of praise for his work and Universal was even planning to cast him in their upcoming production of Dracula. Unfortunately, there was one small problem with those plans. You see, during the filming of his last silent film Thunder in 1929, Cheney would develop pneumonia that would evolve into terminal lung cancer. Despite this, he told no one during filming of The Unholy Three, and just a few weeks after its release on August 26, 1930, he died at the age of 47 years old. And he was actually so respected at this point, that on the day of his funeral, every studio halted production to observe a moment of silence. His body was put to rest at Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery in California, and in accordance with his will, his crypt remains unmarked. That concludes today's episode of Those Were the Days. Thank you very much for listening, and please tune in next time as we talk about silent film actress Clara Bow, an actress who would become known as Hollywood's It Girl. Once again, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.